Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to McNamara on Money, educating the investors of the South Shore and now the Merrimack Valley on 980 AM WCAP. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I'm joined this morning by Tim Williams, Flaherty Insurance. Tim's debut on McNamara on Money, I believe, right? It is. Thank you for being here. Good Thank morning. Thank you for having me. Tim is uh, incredibly knowledgeable on flood insurance and property casualty insurance um, and is very involved in our community for flood-related issues, et cetera. Yeah, so let's Um, talk a little bit about that. Um, One of the things that we did a pilot program on in my nonprofit, that was the Massachusetts Coastal Coalition. Yeah. We... um, we looked at what they call under the NFIP is a thing called the community rating system. Okay. So anybody who has an NFIP policy, you'll see this thing called the acronym CRS discount. Okay. That is called a, uh, a community rating system. So it's a floodplain management tool. Um, and what they do is they, they, if, if the community participates in CRS, they will give you points for all these different activities that you do within your town. Okay. And they come in and audit the towns and, and will give you um, a, a class grade. So okay. when you first come into the program, you start at a class nine. You're talking about a community. When a community first yep. comes into the program? Yep. Okay. So a community first comes into the program, they award you a class nine, which would give you um, a 5% discount to all the NFIP flood policy holders. Okay. So and is this town by town or like county? Town by town. Okay. Um, so um, towns like Situate are part of the program, Quinn. Hull, uh, Marshfield's in the program, um, and others, uh, you know, down the Cape. There's a, a 
many communities that are down there. Sure. That, that them. Yeah. So we that started to look at, you know, getting the towns to kind of share their best practices and, and what works and whatnot. So in terms of mitigating, mitigating, floods, looking at their activities water, yeah, and, okay. and, and, and trying to just document <laughs> what they're doing so that you can get a higher class grade. So Marshfield, uh, at one point in this town in the, um, probably in the nineties, it was a, a 20% discount. It was a class six. Okay. Uh, you can't get that in this state right now due to some building codes, but um, we had kind of fallen off of the program in Marshfield, and now it was at a 5% discount at Class 9. Um, so we've been working over the last two years, year and a half, to increase that um, community's discount, and hopefully, fingers crossed, that we're getting to a 15% discount. We recently had an audit. It looks good. Okay. Um, so, and what is the town doing differently to get that additional? Is well, it the seawall repairs that we can do? No, I wish we it? could. Oh, okay. You know, seawalls, um, in order to get the credit for the seawalls, they have to be built to a certain standard, and they have they would have had to be another five feet high, which would mm-hmm. have really, the risk-reward of cost mm-hmm. didn't make sense to, mm-hmm. to approach that. Okay. Um, so when they look at CRS or things like, you know, are you giving um, flood brochures to the realtors. Are the okay. realtors handing those things out? Um, they look at open space. So how much open space does the town have that's not buildable? So Marshfield... That can absorb water. Is that yeah, what that is for? Yeah, so it's just okay. like, so you don't have development there. They, okay. they give you credit for that. So Marshfield has a lot of Audubon areas. That's they right, have, yeah. Not far you know, from the water either. Correct. Not far from the ocean. Correct. Yeah. And there's a lot of different areas you'd be surprised at that are, you know, open space in this town. Hmm. So we're, you know, you have to do some mapping and get credit for that. Hmm. Um, they go into, you know, do you have storm water maintenance? Are you cleaning your catch basins? Are you doing different programs? And okay. so you, you know, are you, um, they audit the building department. So they'll look at a building department. Are you in compliance with, you know, building correctly and doing it per the elevation certificate? They'll do those types of things. And then they'll add oh. up all your points and they'll, you know, depending on where you fall, you get your discount. So fingers crossed and next year we should see um, Marshfield go down or increase their class level to a seven, which would be 15%. That's another 10% for people right. in Marshfield that have a federal And policy. I can tell you that um, that's an average savings of $300,000 to the residents wow. in Marshfield. That's awesome. So that's a pretty big number, you know, and yeah. um, anything that helps offset some of those increases uh, for those people, yeah. it's, it's good. So, and Situate's already there and, you know, okay. so we're working with different towns. Quincy's got a 15%. Um, some other towns are at five and a lot on the North Shore have not even been involved yet. So we're trying to get those communities involved as well. So is a 15% discount the biggest one you can get right now under that CRS yeah, in Mass? Yeah, uh, and yeah. it has to do with some of the, something called BSEGS, which is the Building Code Efficiency Grade. Um, so they're really working on, it's a good segue into, you know, figuring out how the, the building codes go. And it really has to do with the winds. Okay. So FEMA looks at, you know, years ago when they had the building code, you know, Marshfield, if you had to build a house in the water, they wanted impact-resistant windows and they wanted impact-resistant slides or hurricane shutters. Yeah. The reason for that, you know, if you're in Situate or Marshfield or any of these coastal communities and there's a big nor'easter, throw, these waves are throwing rocks. That's so The scary. size of, you know, yeah. you know, five, 10 pound rocks at these windows and it would break a window and now when that window and the breaks, water comes in. the yeah. water's flooding out that property. So yeah. they wanted the impact resistant windows. The insurance companies, as the home insurance, um, when they were paying out claims due to whether it be a fire or some type of other peril, 
you know, the cost of replacing those windows is exorbitant. So they were, they yeah, were windows really, are expensive to begin with. Those right. must be double or triple the cost. Yeah, I don't, yeah. yeah. So they were looking at, you know, they try to lobby that and the, it's kind of the billing codes have changed to some extent. I am not, you know, a billing code, you know, a You're not an commissioner, inspector. Yeah, yeah. but um, they've changed that around a little bit. And one of the reasons was, um, you know, the fire, you know, personnel, when they would go to a fire on these coastal homes, they couldn't vent the houses. They couldn't go in and smash a window to, to vent that fire. That's how strong the glass was? Yeah. So, I mean, they, that's just something that they wanted to fix, and that was one of the reasons why. So, so fire-resistant windows are no longer... Well, the impact-resistant, you don't have to put them in, um, but they're still in, you know, there are several houses. They're still available. That, you just, yeah. Well, it, yeah. You can, I mean, if, at least if you put them on the water-facing side Absolutely. of the home and then traditional yeah. windows on the yeah. other. Yeah, so, I mean, there are yeah. people that do that, and they have that in there, and it's just something that... Um, you know, it makes sense to have it, but at the same time, I understand why the fire, you know, so yeah. the state's working on that so that, you know, the CRS uh, communities can get a higher class than seven. You know, there are some communities that go all the way down to, I think the highest is like a three or maybe Which is a, a two. more significant discount. I think than it's like 45%. It's a big number. Yeah. Um, but it's not a coastal community either. It's some, okay. you know, in like Sacramento in California or something like okay. that. You know, one of those areas out yeah, there. So, yeah. Um, so, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that, you know, related to flood insurance, one of the things that I always try and educate um, people that are in these special flood hazard areas is something called, um, <coughs> excuse me, ordinance of law. Yeah. You mentioned so, that off air and I was like, what are you talking about, Tim? And he had a big smile on his face too. Like he was all excited <coughs> to talk about it. <laughs> so, so under your home insurance, there's a... Ordinance laws, it's 10% of your dwelling. Standard comes with your policy. So 10% of So translate that for me. So half a million dollars your home is insured for. Part of your traditional property insurance you're talking about. Your home insurance. You have your home insured for $500,000 and you have 10% allowance for ordinance or or a law, a town ordinance. Okay. So that might be debris removal or something they want you to do. So you have $50,000 on a half a million dollar policy for building code upgrades. For the, because the town mandates something Certain, that so you didn't anticipate? New, is that yeah. what it is? So there's new codes and um, yeah. maybe you, your home was built in the 70s and now they're going to say, well, okay, well, you have to have new GFI outlets in the kitchen and bathroom. You is this, is this, does this factor in post claim, or is this like the town could just approach you for, hey, you have to do something that doesn't that doesn't happen unless you're doing a renovation or yeah, it's a, it's a claim, right? it's a claim issue. It's, this is post claim, so okay. claim. So yeah. like, you know, one of the things I try and tell the people in the flood hazard area is, let's say your house burns down on the ground due to a fire. Yeah. So now my house burns down, and the building co- inspector comes out and is like, oh, you're going to rebuild. Okay, well now you got to rebuild to the new standards. Right. And now you're in Green Harbor, and you're in an AE 16. Well, your house was at elevation eight. Now you're going to have to put in piers. Yeah. The insurance company isn't going to pay more than that 10% unless you increase that coverage on your home insurance policy. So it might cost you 50 to to $100 to increase your ordinance of law to say 50% or 100% of your of your property. Yeah. So usually I'm recommending that for people that are in the flood hazard area. So if you have if you're in the flood zone, yep. and you have flood insurance coverage, yep. whether it be a private through a private carrier or if the federal uh, program and your home floods and you put in a claim. Yep. And let's say you need to completely rebuild it. Yep. 
if you weren't to the proper elevation prior, your insurance company is not going to give you the funds to put you to the proper elevation? So for flood insurance, flood's going to pay that increased cost of compliance. It's an acronym called ICC. They'll pay up to $30,000. Okay. That's not a lot. No, we're, that's not a lot. We're, we we're, just talked about pilings being eighty to yeah, $100,000. Yeah, that's one of the things yeah. we're trying to lobby Congress in, on their reauthorization to increase that cost, you know, to say, hey, let Let's let the people get some coverage here if they want to have it yeah. to, to increase that. So when you're dealing with a flood, that's what's going to be paid out. But I'm talking about any other peril that happens to your house with oh, home insurance. okay, okay. So if you have okay. a fire, the insurance company is only going to pay out that 10%. So I'm like, you know, and that happens too. So we've seen people where they've had a fire, the house is burned down to the ground. Now they come in and say, well, now you got to put it on piers. So, okay. So if you have a $400,000 home in the flood zone yep. and on, so on your traditional property insurance, which is always separate from flood insurance, Correct. right? It's always a separate policy. Correct. You're saying that to increase that ordinance of law coverage, if you're, if you're, current structure is not to code. And if it were yeah. to be rebuilt, you would need additional coverage to bring it to code. Right. Right. Because yeah. your traditional homeowner's insurance is just going to rebuild what you have, right? It's going to give gonna, you, yeah, it's going to give yeah. you what you have. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to have that exactly what you have there. And then they're going to give you 10% of that 400,000. So they're going to give you 40,000 to do comply with some upgrading building codes. Right. And your point is that's, that's probably not enough if you're in a flood zone at a yeah. low elevation and you need to raise right. your home. So okay. I usually tell people to, you know, at least bump it up to fix figure out, you know, if you had to elevate it, you have that coverage. Here's there. a question for you. Let's say you are in a flood zone and you ha and you have a fire in your home, God forbid, and you need yep. to rebuild. Yep. Can you take your insurance proceeds and rebuild on another plot of land? Or do you have to rebuild on your current property? Like what if someone said, I don't want to be here in this flood zone anymore. I want to move away from the coast. Yeah, I mean, you could. Can, if you had you another have the right to, to, you know, sell your property, and, but you know, you got to pay off the mortgage, and you know. But does your if you have a note? So, like in that example, if I was going to rebuild my current home, the insurance company would give me, let's say, four hundred dollars, four hundred thousand dollars replacement cost of my home. Could I just vacate that property? And if I had another plot of land somewhere else, could I take that $400,000 and build a property on a different plot of land with that insurance money? Carrier yeah. specific, maybe? Yeah, I think so. I don't know if yeah. you really want to get into that, you know. Okay. So, and I've seen people do that where they've rebuilt and then sold the home, you know, so they've yeah, so maybe elevated you... it, rebuilt it, and then left, you know, and, and got out of there, so. Yeah, so that's probably the way you but go. I don't, maybe you can't yeah, do Yeah, I don't see that happen a lot where people just leave and just, you know, take their check and... Yeah. To build. It's happened, I guess, yeah. on the flood side. You've seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, people certainly have been flooded and taken the proceeds and left, but it certainly hasn't been enough. And we've seen that too. Right. So yeah, I'm just not, thinking you know, like, you know, for people... you know, to leave. I think the homes that are up on pilings, I think they look beautiful, not to mention probably have a better view of the water if they're near the water. But if you're an older person and you don't want to be walking up two flights of stairs just to get yep. into the first floor of your property, you know, that, that might not be an yeah. option. And, and some people have taken their proceeds and just not rebuilt. So it, it does happen. So you can you know. do that. You yeah, can take it, your it, it's happened. Yeah. You know, it's not, um, you know, so it, it depends. Most people but just when on you, the same you property, made a good yeah. point about, you know, um, rebuilding and, and, you know, elevating on piers and, you know, it, some of them look good, some of them don't. Um, I didn't say any of them don't. Well, no, there, <laughs> you I, said I, that. I did. You're right. I did. But, you know, there I are... I think for the most part they look lovely, but... Well, no, there are uh, things that people don't understand, too. I think, like, when you get into an A zone, 
you know, you can put a foundation in to elevate. You don't have to go on piers. Okay. So you can have a solid foundation with, with vents and then drop siding down on the on the foundation so it looks like a normal house. Well, you see, you don't have this thing on, you know, right. wooden right. piers and pilings. So the designs are getting better. Yeah. Uh, and the architecture is getting better. So you're starting to see some of these homes you wouldn't even know. Like, you're like, oh, wow. Well, that is really, uh, yeah. you know... <clears throat> Do you, have any, do you have any concept of like, so right now is to code, is is it elevation 11 in Marshfield now to code or does it depend on where you live, depend on where your property is? It depends on where your property, oh. the minimum's 11, but you you can have do areas you, that, you know, are, you know, VE 20 or you know, oh. 22. Yeah, do you have any concept of like how that has, how dramatically that has increased over time? And I'm just wondering like going forward in the next 10, 20, 30 years, if someone right now is at elevation 20, yeah. 10 years from now, is it going to be at elevation 30? And, and how reasonable is that for people to be 30 feet off the ground, their home to be 30 feet off the ground. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just wondering, yeah. like, do you have any concept of like how rapidly that has changed and if it It will certainly has changed a lot. Change? You know, in, in your question, I started to think about like Situate and Turner Road and some of these severe repetitive loss properties down yeah. there. Okay. You know, some of these people have rebuilt three times and they've gone to that 15, really love 20 feet, 25, that, yeah. you know, and they've yeah. gotten up there. You know, I, I can think Marshfield's <sighs> changed their laws a little bit so that I don't think it could be more than 35 feet above the base flood elevation because there was concerns about, you know, if I have a 100-foot ladder truck, can I get to the top of the building if right. it were at a certain point? Right. So I think Marshall's is like 35 feet high above whatever the base flood is. So if you're in 16 plus 35, That's you're That's how tall your house can be, you mean? Yeah. Oh. So you could be at like 51 feet, you know, because, you know, but also it's people don't really... Yeah, yeah. You know, 16 feet from the ground. So sometimes people are like, what do you mean my house is 51 feet? I'm like, well, your ground could be a 10. So you really, right. you know, right. only... It depends on sea level. It's not necessarily right. where your ground is. Right. right. So yeah. they're looking at it that okay, way. So enough. sometimes yeah. like if you're at okay. 20, but your ground could be at 10. So you're really only like 45 feet or, you know, whatever the scenario. Yeah. Is yeah, so. yeah. I was just wondering like if people... I see... We see lots of homes going up on pilings in this area. Um... What about like, can people, if you didn't want your home up on pilings, because then there's a staircase, right? Associated yep. with that or multiple. Can, do people like truck in land? Like, can you just truck in a whole bunch of, like if you had a big enough property, I get that if your neighbor is right there, you can't do that. But yeah, there's some people that do enough, fill and it yeah. gets a little bit more complicated. You okay. can put in fill to elevate it to some degree. Yeah. But I, I don't think you can put like a... I mean, you still have to raise the property, but I'm saying, right. you know, and, and instead of going up two flights, of, you know, parking under your ha piling, you know, under your house and then going up two flights of stairs, can you bring in fill so you have a driveway like yeah, up the hill and then your some, house is up, you know? To some degree, but it, it gets tricky. It depends on the zone. It's not okay. something you can just And maybe specific. fill is more expensive than pilings. I have no idea. Yeah, it's Couldn't not, be. it depends on where you are. You, you yeah. know, I don't think you can do that. Like, you know, V zone, they're not going to let the velocity or, you know, okay. come in there and just wipe out. Of. Yeah, I don't know. I was just curious. <coughs> um, you, I had asked you off air because I know you're, you know, very involved in... Um, you know, issues in the community and things yep. like that related to flood. And thank you for your service, by the way. Um, and we were talking off air about seawalls and Marshfield is a good example of a town that has, yep. I don't, again, I don't know how many millions over the years have been spent repairing the seawalls. Right. Um, but it just seems like 
every town meeting I go to, there's something in there about we need X hundreds of thousands or millions for seawall repairs. And it right. just seems like, you know, um, it's probably a never ending issue that there will need to be seawall repairs. And I was just asking you, like, if you, if there are other communities like trying to approach protecting all those people that are on the water, like on the water, trying to protect, trying to approach it in a different way, like relocating people or something like that, or buying properties and giving people vouchers or something to move yeah. them, you yeah. know, so away from the ocean, because I feel like you're never going to win a battle with the sea. You know, I don't, no, especially correct. with rising seas and yeah. things like that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, if, there's a, there's, there's yeah. so many different talks on, you know, every different community and what's happening out there. Yeah. You know, certainly, you know, a lot of these places want managed retreat. Um, Meaning, managed like buyouts retreating away from the water. I get it, but yeah, buyouts and yeah. figuring out a way to take a problematic area and, and do that. The yeah. problem is, is you know, you know, the cost of property today is not what it was in the fifties or the sixties to yeah. go and do that. Um, so it's a multi-pronged approach. I think you're definitely going to have to, you know. You take a look at the seawalls were built in the 30s here in Marshfield. There's aging infrastructure it yeah. needed to be upgraded. And oh, it's yeah, I help. don't disagree, but yeah. Sure. Um, but I, yeah, there's a part of it too where, yeah, you do have to mitigate some of these homes. They, part of it's elevating them in certain areas. In other areas, it's going to be, you know, manage retreat and do that. And yeah. that's one of the things we're trying to get. The grant programs, whether it be through FEMA or, you know, developing something here in the state where somebody can come in and, and, and do these types of things and, and yeah. get some relief and figure out a way to do that. Are there any communities around here pursuing managed retreat? Um, or is that maybe elsewhere? Not in a va- not in a vast scale. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. you're seeing some some grant programs through FEMA where, you know, the town's buying back a property um, that was a repetitive loss and it gets that repetitive loss off the books. Um, and it's yeah. one less property you have to worry about. Yeah. Um, so some of the grants out there are doing that. And, um, you know, there are some, some things also through the federal program, there's hazard mitigation grants. So, you know, hmm. the, like these towns are now developing hazard mitigation plans and they have, you know, 30, 35 items that are on there and they're trying to tackle, you know, fixing culverts or whether it be, you know, repairing a dike or, you know, different programs like that to to help relieve some of the flooding. Yeah. You know, I know Boston, uh, there's a group in Boston that's looking at building a uh, harbor wall. Hmm. Um, They want to build it from Hull all the way over to like Revere and Winthrop. Oh, wow. And it's going to be a storm. (gasps) It's a storm surge barrier. So it would open and close during storms and then it'd be an inner wall just for sea level rise. But you're talking $8 billion, $10 billion. Oh you know, my. Uh, UMass did a study on a $300,000 study, and it was um, roughly, I think, $15 billion. And, to and, put the wallet. Well, that was their study. And there's another group that's, you know, saying, well, we shouldn't just rely on that study for an entire city and their infrastructure. So there, there's another group that thinks that they can do it for lower. Um, and it would basically, the storm surge barrier would start at these islands, you know, starting from Penex Island over Oh, Hull, okay. And just hop from shallow island in the shallow waters it would come it'd be more in the inner harbor not the not outer right harbor. up against the homes yeah. I mean it would be right and so New Bedford has one of these that was built in the 70s and it's just but they would have <laughs> shipping lanes that would be open so the ships can come in and out um, and then they would just close during storms they have them out in like the Thames River in England it's literally like a wall or it's an island it's a man-made island or it it's would be a barrier a that they build a wall yeah and it would have open 
places for the shipping and the ports to mm. come back, you know, in and out. And, uh, you know, they're building these down in Louisiana and Texas. Mm. Um, and they're massive FEMA grants to, you know, because these cities have to start looking at. How else do we? What are we going to do? How else do we approach yeah, this? How are we going to do yeah. this? Or you can have the seaport that's, you know, five feet underwater in a normal king yeah. tide. Not five feet, but yeah. that's my point is that, you know, there's something that has to be done in there. And they'd have, the engineers are starting to look at these things. So they might have walls with flaps that let the water in and out. And, you know, so it's going to be a multi-pronged approach. I don't think it's just going to be seawalls and, and managed retreat will be part of that. And yeah. mitigation of homes and... You know, it's not one one solution for for everybody, unfortunately. Yeah. You know. And I'm sure it's decades to come too. I mean, it's going to take, and and, yeah. and it will probably be never ending, right? As seas continue to rise and yeah, it, storms it could be, continue you know, to be more frequent. Yeah, it seems yeah. like it'll probably be. Yeah, and there, and like I said, it's, it's yeah. Whether it's you know, you see a lot of riverine issues too. So yeah. it's not just, uh, and then people with dams, you know, that live behind them. Um, so coming back to uh, flood insurance versus homeowner's insurance, right? Yep. So always separate policies. Correct. Any carriers that discount you for having a flood policy with their, or are they totally different carriers? Flood um, insurance and homeowner's insurance. They're usually different carriers. Yeah. Um, the home insurance carriers, some will give discounts for having the flood. Yeah. A lot of them require that you have flood insurance. No matter where you are on the flood map? Or well, if you're in a special flood the, hazard area, okay. the home insurance carriers are now saying, where's your flood insurance policy? Because they don't want to write it. Yeah, without proof. Because of- it gets down to um, uh, sometimes uh, an argument uh, with, with... Who covers what? Like on that. a claim, yeah. yeah. So you get into storm surge. You know, was it wind or was it water? What's covered where? Yeah. Um, and then you talk to these public insurance adjusters and they, they have to battle. And, you know, I've talked to some coastal science engineers who actually have to do, get into the courts and they actually have to prove what, caused the, the building to collapse. Which determines who yeah, pays what claim. Yeah, so if it was a hurricane, was it actually a 90 mile an hour wind first or was it the water and the surge that right. came through and, and knocked the house down? So that's... Um, so that's mandating about. you have both so that they, what, split the difference or yeah, to avoid that yeah, type stuff? Or, yeah, they, yeah. yeah, the home insurance carriers yeah. definitely want you to have it because yeah. they don't want, you know, a, a lawsuit on their hands to say, well, wait a minute, you know, you know. Yeah, it was flood or not. Do you have any concept of, like, come back to the National Flood Insurance Program, and yeah. we talked about how many millions or, or I thought it was millions in debt. Maybe it was billions in debt yeah. after her. 25 billion, I think it was a It was billion, okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I thought yeah. it was a million, but billion. Um, do you, so now here we are a decade later about, right? Do you have any concept of how financially stable the federal insurance program is now that in more, so more people carry the flood insurance? They're trying to right? get, yeah, and they're trying premiums. to get that initiative to get more people to carry the policies. And as part of real risk is to gradually make sure that people are properly rated for, for their risk. Yeah. Um, you know, I think for the first time, you know, FEMA started to, to, they were able to get reinsurance. So they were actually reinsuring some of their risk to another carrier so that the government wasn't on the full hook okay. for their program. Reinsurance okay. is not yep. cheap, yeah. uh, obviously. Okay. So, but they're... Um, Meaning they're, they're more financially stable then, probably. Yeah, they're, they're trying likely. to do yeah. that. You know, um, it's, it's, it's a tough thing. And I think that's why Congress has had a hard time reauthorizing it, is what's that... Guideline. They know they need it for the floodplain management, but they also don't want to be in the, the business of continuing to lose there. So I yeah. think, that, you know, part of that is, you know, the private market has definitely come in and they want the private market there. So there's more competition. So 
it keeps that premium there so that people will buy these policies and be educated on it and will go get that yeah. you know, flood insurance policy so they have it. Is the fl- is are, is the flood is the national program more um, utilized than the private carriers? Uh, yes, yeah, it definitely many it, more people enrolled. Yeah, in that there's program. more in the national flood insurance program. Private is starting to grow. We don't have the statistics because yeah. they don't get to share it. Well, that could be related to some uh, people can't get a coverage through a private carrier, and they correct. have to be on the federal program. Absolutely, right? And then the private no, carriers no can be uh, pickier with regards to what right. homes they cover. And the private yeah. market didn't really start coming in. Um, I'd say you know it's it's grown significantly in the last three or four years. Okay. So it's not something that I think was viable 10 years ago. Like yeah. you had a lot of options for, for private. Okay. You know. Yeah. Now you said there are six or eight carriers. So yeah. Okay. And then more. All right. Well, we got to take a break here in a minute. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Sorry. Before you take, well, yeah, after the break, a listener would like you to discuss transference of flood insurance. Perfect. We okay. will do that after the break. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed this morning talking with Tim Williams of Flaherty Insurance. We're talking about flood insurance this morning. And we will talk about transference of flood insurance after the break. Be right back. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money, educating the investors of the South Shore and the Merrimack Valley. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed this morning, helping, not with my expertise, but with my co-host expertise, helping to educate the homeowners of uh, the eastern coast of Massachusetts, I guess, or anyone in a floodplain. Um, I'm joined this morning by Tim Williams of Flaherty Insurance. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, two hours always sounds like a long time to, to go on a radio show, but it does go by pretty quickly. Yep. You love what you talk about. You love what you talk <laughs> about. I can part, tell. For the most part, yeah, <laughs> Tim's always know, so. throwing around his acronyms and I try his to avoid acronyms. It's actually a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> and, you, know, you sound smart until you don't know what it is. Yeah. You know, so I always try and... No, you explained things well this morning, so thank you. Um, we had a caller before the break ask to get, ask us to get into transference of flood insurance policies. Sure. So I'm going to just... Yep. Throw that one right over to you. So one of the things, um, you know, out in the real estate market that's out there now is, um, you know, if you have an NFIP policy and it's, you know, a favorable premium or it's advantageous to always have that policy transferred to the new buyer. This is the federal policy. The federal policy. So you want there's no So there's no lapse in coverage? Is that so there's no lapse in coverage, but there's also history of when you've owned it. Okay. So. You know, if you have a policy and it's got that pre-firm subsidized rate or it's grandfathered to, you know, um, or a newly mapped policy. So let's say you were in an X zone before you bought the policy, but now your property's in an A zone and you're trying to sell it. You want to be able to have that policy transferred over to the new buyer. Because then, because your grandfathered in and you won't have, yes, the policy correct. won't underwrite at the high. Yeah, you the, won't have okay. somebody, you know, being quoted a new policy that's at a higher premium. You really want to be able to do that. So when you have that, you know, house that you has a, and the premiums could be vastly different. So yeah. that grandfather premium might stay at $1,000, whereas a new premium that you're trying to buy for that property could be 3500 Okay. You really want to have that. It's a seller's point, and it's also for the yeah. buyer. You want to have that existing policy. So can anyone do that? You have to apply for that? or um, Anybody can do that through the NFIP. Um, there have been some instances where agents have been reluctant to um, transfer it, but the current because agent... Because they want a higher commission? Or well, no, no it's, it's more about like no. the liability. So, 
they don't want they don't know that new buyer and they want to make sure that new buyer understands that policy correctly. Okay. Yeah. I've always kind of disagreed with it, but it it should be transferred, you know, and it can be transferred. It just has to be done by the agent has to sign off on it. Okay. On there. If it's a problem, you could find another agent if you're the seller who's who's reluctant to to move it. So, so. is there any reason to not transfer your existing federal policy to a buyer? Not really. I mean, uh, unless it, your buyer wants different coverage. Yeah. It, well, you can always want... change the coverage, oh, so okay. that doesn't matter. So that happens a no. lot. Okay. So one of the things we haven't touched on in the program today is, you know, one of the things with NFIP is uh, secondary versus primary homeownership. Coverages. Oh, okay. Um, and oh, it, it's okay. vastly different for premiums with the NFIP. So even though that seller may have a beach house down in Marshfield and they're you know they're, they're in that B zone and that premium's going up 25% a year because it's his secondary home. So secondary property, the insurance coverage is more expensive? It is with the NFIP. Be- it continues to go up because they're just looking at it like, well, this is your secondary home. Have, yeah. That's the thought process behind yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying it's right, but they're like, oh, you, we got millionaires and they got a secondary home. Why? They have to pay the real rate. So we're going to increase it 25% a year and we're going to... Add on a two hundred and fifty dollar fee for, for because the program. It's a second property. And the NFIP. So is that is that a reason why for someone that might be a reason for someone to pursue private insurance it could for be. a second property? Um, or we see sometimes people that will change their residency and make their beach house their primary house. Yeah. And that will really keep the premiums down and change it up. Okay. So um, this state one of if you're married and you want to be you could move a spouse to that property. Can you really? Yeah, you can. You move can. Your sp- you can, but you got to prove that yes, your residency. You can't just say well. You have to actually live there yeah. six months in a day. Yeah, it's actually like you know eighty over fifty percent of the time, or you know eighty percent, because then they're, it gets into claims whether they're paying you uh, replacement costs or actual cash value on your homes. Yeah. So yeah, having an NFIP policy can be a good thing, and it should be transferred for the most part. You know, but it's always a case by case basis. There are some cases where private may be more advantageous and it doesn't make any sense, but you're losing your grandfather and you're never going to get it back. Yeah. So if someone has so a federal policy and they don't transfer they to it to a new that. buyer, you can never go back to that grandfathered, less expensive federal policy, than, right? For the most part, for continuous coverage. There may be a case where you could grandfather it to built into compliance because that never goes away. Okay. So if you had a home that was built into. You know, according to the 2002 maps or whatever it may be, then you can get that grandfathering still, but you won't get the continuous coverage one. Okay. So it's a little bit different, but it's always good to have a transference and and have a policy transfer. So who handles that? The, re- the realtors handle that? The realtors will work with uh, the current agent or the seller's, you know, insurance agent. Um, they can't go to any other agent because it's the current agent who has a policy is the one who has to transfer it. Unless it was switched for some reason, but okay. so that's always done through there. You touched earlier on the show about um, people can carry multiple flood insurance policies, right? So, do some people carry the federal policy and then layer on top? They used to a be private? able to do that, oh. and now f- the NFIP is like they they don't allow you to carry okay. multiple policies on the program. Oh, there so was you a, can't do there that. was a okay. time that you used to be able to do that, and they, they changed that uh, that law because what, what people were doing was. I'll buy $10,000 of coverage with the NFIP, but I'll just get the rest of it in to private. To keep the grandfathered policy. To keep it. Or, yeah, or to keep to, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they used to do that, but they don't allow you to really carry those dual policies anymore for that. So you for can do excess s- for sure, you know, and have like the 250 with the NFIP 
and then excess uh, policies can be pretty inexpensive because the private's looking at it as I have a two hundred fifty thousand dollar deductible, meaning right. before right. we pay out. So why wouldn't I want to write this property? Right. You know? So you can, so, so you can be, have multiple. You can you, for that that type of purpose. Got it. You know, okay. for for an excess type of thing. If someone has maxed maxed out on their coverage through the federal. Right. Right. You can go and get more. Okay. You know, because you might, like you said, you have that million dollar home. You just want to insure it and, for the, for know. its actual value. What if it's Correct. a total loss? Yeah. 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 So there are people. That so if someone has, let's say, someone is selling a home and has a federal policy, but yep. it's a very small policy because they have no mortgage, they just wanted a little bit of coverage, yeah. and then they can yep. transfer to a buyer. Yep. And let's say the buyer, the buyer mortgages the property. The buyer can increase the coverage, but still keep the grandfathered rates. Yes. The lower. Correct. More attractive. So that's rates. exactly what they do. Okay. They will increase the coverage. So let's say someone had a fifty thousand dollar policy, but now the new buyer needs it at the full two fifty. They can transfer that. Um, change the residency from primary or secondary, whatever they need to do, and also increase the coverage, add-on contents. They don't allow you to do, for transactional purposes, they allow that. But you like for I always put in there, you can't mid-year change your policy and say, well, you know what? I think a hurricane's coming. Oh, I'm going to lower my deductible. You, you know, can only chart, change it on its anniversary yeah, whenever you yeah, took Yeah, because otherwise you'd have people calling up. Oh, sure, the saying, week before a storm is coming, right, increase, you know, and then I'll decrease right, it the right, week after. Right. That makes a so lot they, of sense. So they do that, and private will do that too, and so on the, um, you know, they'll, they'll put a... Uh, moratorium on, on writing new business until yeah. until that until the, the hurricane is, is yeah. gone. Mm-hmm. So you can't go in there like, hey, it's, it's coming, yeah. you know, and it's coming up the East Coast. Maybe I ought to buy yeah. that policy right now. And they'll be like, nope. That makes perfect sense. So. so in this area of the world, for a traditional homeowner's policy, not flood, yep. like a traditional homeowner's policy on a $500,000 home, yep. what are you talking for average cost for people like... Fifteen hundred bucks a year, like generally, it's you know thousand? that fifteen hundred thousand okay. to twenty five hundred. Okay, and I think depending it's a on good your deductible, segue yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a good segue into you know coastal home insurance. You know, in these communities like Marshall, Situate, Duxbury, you're seeing a lot of these um, storm deductibles. So let's get into yeah storm deductibles. We just we just went through this we, when we renewed our property insurance. Yep. Yeah. So there's something about wind. Is yep. like a wind deductible or yeah, something? Yeah, so there's a lot of different things and they're, and they're vastly different. So I want to educate uh, the listeners okay. out there on, on what's out there, what's available, and what you can do and can't do. So let's start with just the different types of deductibles that are out there and what's advantageous. Yeah. So there are hurricane deductibles, there's name storm deductibles, and just then there are... Okay wind hail deductibles. Okay. All three of them are very different. Okay. And they can range from 1% to 5% of your coverage A. So I think this is another point that people get confused. Like I said, oh, I have a 5% wind deductible, so it's 5% of my claim. I'm like, no, it's 5% of the value of your home. Right. So if you're insured for a half a million dollars... 5% 5% would be $25,000 deductible. For a, like a hurricane? For, for if it's a hurricane, okay? So if it's a hurricane, it's got to be a named hurricane through the NOAA or the National Weather Service. Okay. If they do that and you have a 5% hurricane deductible, if you have damage due to a hurricane, you're They're paying, not helping you until You pay that grand. 25 yep. grand. Yep, yeah. If it's a named storm, it's that. It would be a named storm. So people are like, well, they name every storm. I thought storm. they did name every storm. Well, it's got to be done through the National Weather Service okay. or NOAA. So some of these, you know, 
TV stations will just, you know, randomly... Have their own names? Oh, I never did that. Put it out there for for the winter storm, Alyssa. Okay, you know, yeah. It's coming up. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't wait. You know what I mean? So they're putting yeah. it out there to kind of get that, you know, media attention and get you out there with that. So yeah. it has to be through the National Weather Service to know if it's a name storm. Okay. The worst one is wind hail. That's the highest deductible? Yeah, that's the worst or type of deductible, deductible you'd want for, for storms. Cause because it's common? It's, or, right? it's just wind. Yeah. It's wind or hail. So, oh, boy. Have, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold yeah. on. Yeah. Okay. But why is it the worst one? Because it could be a 20 mile an hour wind. And if it a tree falls down and hits your house and hits your deck, you're paying that deductible. 5% or 2% deductible. Yeah. And that just happened and the last com- month. And how common is that? It right? just happened. When, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. last month, four or five weeks, we've had two storms where trees were toppled yeah. all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. There are certain carriers that have a 5% wind hail deductible and they were like... I have a $30,000 deductible. And I'm like, yeah, that's not good. But different carriers will have different deductibles. So so a lot of carriers out there will just do a flat $1,000. Okay. And they'll just be on all perils. So that means including wind or hail. So you don't have to have these named storm deductibles. Oh, okay. Now, sometimes you can find them, and most of the times it'll be advantageous to do. But, you know, um, there are different scenarios, too. You, you can't, you know, some carriers don't want to write pit bulls or trampolines. So you right. have to really right. Carrier specific. figure everything yeah. out. But there there should be options for people out there to kind of be able to get rid of that, you know, wind hail or yeah. hurricane or name storm. But it, there's definitely ways to, to reduce that and keep the premiums down, too. If you want to, although some people are comfortable with a higher deductible because... The they premium could be, is lower. But, but no, it's not. No. Oh, you know, it's not. I mean, oh, there are, okay. there are, I won't name the carriers, but there are carriers out there that have these, and we still are coming in with lower premiums than the other carriers and getting rid of the deductible. Yeah. So the, you should be able to shop that out and find yourself a carrier without having to pay higher premiums and who, be able to keep those down. Who is going with these carriers with the high wind deductibles then? Well, like, or people just that aren't aware? Yeah, they're not aware or yeah. they're like, you know, there are a lot of national carriers out there that have the... Commercials on TV and stuff Commercials like that. on TV yeah. and, and they're, you know, they're they're giving you that college association discount so you feel warm and fuzzy, but it really isn't doing anything. Got or it. you get it through your workplace and you're yeah. saying, I'm saving 30%. Well, you're not really saving anything. It's just kind of, you think you are and then they, and they, and these agents, some of them aren't pointing that deductible out. Yeah. So it's on the first page and, you know, it's highlighted there and you might not see it. Do all carriers have wind, name, storm and hurricane deductibles now? Um, a lot of the major carriers, depending on how close you are to the water, might have it. Oh, okay. And it's, um, but there are a lot that don't because the reinsurance is, the costs have come down. So now... You know, there are a lot more carriers who have come into the marketplace and seen it profitable. Uh, you know, like we yeah. have all these ice dams. You know, a lot of the carriers were losing money, but the coastal yeah. carriers didn't really get any damage from ice dams. Oh, okay. So, they, you know, they really haven't had any claims in the last couple of years, but okay. definitely saving premiums. Okay. That's, yeah, we do have a caller, but I'm pretty sure it's my daughter. So, Myla, are you there, honey? Oh, hold on. Tim needs to flip a switch. Hold on. Myla, are you there? Yeah. Hi, honey. How are you? Good morning. Yes. Do you have a question about flood insurance? Um, Ordinance of law? <laughs> Floodplains? What? <laughs> What's going on? You've got 30 seconds. What do you need? Um, I 
the flood maps going to change again? Oh, good question. <laughs> good question. Um, depending on what the community are, you can bet that they'll probably change. I would um, guess so. Marshfields are under review, and we're hoping they change for the better. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and we're pushing to get those approved. So, uh, your, your answer, yes, I would say, Myla, they're they're going to change. And uh, we were just talking off air that Marshfield has already appealed. Is this our second appeal? Second appeal? I believe thought, right? so. Second yeah, yeah. Appeal. It's um, you know, we're trying to do a letter of map revision. Okay. So we're doing four panels that need to be revised. Okay. So it's a little bit more work, you know. I, I would imagine they would, and especially as storm, you know, you you had statistics earlier regarding how many storms, you know, thirty years ago versus or twenty yeah. years ago versus the last five or ten years. Like they're just. Yeah. Much I, I more should point out there are areas where you could do a revision and it would get worse. So sure. there are certain communities that aren't appealing the maps because they're advantageous just, for them to keep what they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, and you said yeah. FEMA or redoes the maps every They're supposed to do years. it every five years. We're yeah. really, that's another part of what we're trying to do is push their technology to get better mapping and better, more accurate. There are yeah. still parts of this country they haven't mapped um, that probably not high That are nowhere near the water, like... Yeah, you know, kind the, of, the not near the water. Or, yeah, yeah, but they, they look yeah. at certain areas, but they still should be mapping certain areas and figuring yeah. that out. Yeah. Um, but we, they need the technology and the dollars to do that. So right. they're getting in there. But right. pushing more towards LIDAR technology so they can figure out the contours. LIDAR is... Oh. They actually fly a plane over and it will use like oh. technology to figure out the elevations oh, cool. of the entire thing from ground elevations. Cool, so cool. It will be, be a lot more accurate because they can't see that that gentleman's house on near the river is on the hill from they you can't. know on do, a map. Do, do they normally so, use satellite images for yeah, that? Yeah, so that's put, what they're trying yeah. to do. Like the state of North Carolina did the entire state with it. With you know, with satellites LIDAR, or with a plane? With oh, LIDAR with, flying oh. a plane over and, and you know taking that technology over oh. there. So yeah, they're getting there. So cool. Good question, Myla. What other questions do you have, Myla? Um, I think that was the only one. Okay. I'll see you in a little bit. <laughs> one more thing. Oh, okay. Can I make you a lollipop? I don't know what that means. Yeah. Can you make yeah. lollipops at home? Yes. Yes, that sounds go. good. I'll grab one when I get home, and I'll bring one for Tim next time I see him. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Myla. <laughs> oh. Thanks, Myla. <laughs> Wait, both Tims. I met oh, this Tim. Oh, that, that, oh that all Tim right. Too. Two, two Tims. Yeah. make two lollipops now. <laughs> we need three lollipops. <laughs> okay. All right, bye, sweetie. Bye. <laughs> Decent question. Yeah, no, it's yeah, great, yeah. great question. But that's a big but, thing on the, the the deductibles for home insurance. You know, yeah. make sure you review that because there's no need to have that. And I hate yeah. when people call me after the fact and say, "Yeah, I, you know, I had this tree fall on my deck, but you know, I don't have any coverage." Yeah, we know. we had we did a property and casualty insurance show a few months ago with a former colleague of yours, yeah. and we um, we were talking about um, we were talking about those things and how yeah. like I and and. First of all, I'd never heard of that. Maybe they're relatively new, right? Those those deductibles, or and yeah, couple that with the fact that, like, I kind of, you know, I'm educated in the world of finance, but with yeah. my homeowner's policy, it's just yeah. one of those things where I'm kind of like, you know, it just kind of kind of renews every year, and you don't really yeah. think to yeah. pull it out and look at it and yep. think about what this really means. It's almost like, you know, you make that decision when you when you first purchase your property, which is such a whirlwind period of time, anyway, right? right and then right. you know. And then how often do you pull that policy out and look at yeah, it and it's like that. revisit and then it? The, so, the other thing you yeah. usually see is the liabilities sometimes is low for people, you know, when you get in that personal liability. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people forget that it covers you 
outside of your home. So if I say like I've right. my friend in the eye with a, a beach umbrella, right. they want to sue me. Right. Um, you have that coverage there and it will pay for your defense. Right. So right. you try and get into that kind of things and then you get into like, you know, the personal injury is something that people forget about yeah. uh, when you're dealing with social media. Yeah. So if you got a teenager that bullies somebody and they decide to do something harmful, um, you'll kind of want to have that coverage there for, for that. You know, it's libel and slander. Isn't so, that unfortunate that we have to think about yeah, that? Yeah, I know. So you tie yeah. those kind of things but into, yeah, you sense. know, the homeowners. But the, okay. that's tying into the flood and the storm deductibles is looking at everything. And no one carrier is going to be a solution for everybody. Right, of course. everybody has different parameters and, and risks. Right. And you don't know until you really get in there. So right, right. I always find it, well, go with this carrier because they're the best. Well, they might not be for you. Right. You know? Different carriers um, have their different niches and things right, that they want to Right, just like the flood yeah. insurance, yeah. you're going to have certain private carriers that might be great for one and not for another. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's really just making sure you reach out to your professional out there and, and ask some questions and do some homework and figure yeah. out if you can, you know, get that. Well, Tim, you've been great. This is Tim Williams with Flaherty Insurance. Why don't you give out your contact information? Yeah, you can can find me at um, Flaherty Insurance. My email is twilliams at flahertyinsurance.com or um, you can always contact me at 617-816-3751. Yeah. And you can find me on Facebook at Flaherty Insurance dash Tim Williams. Perfect. Um, I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You've been listening to McNamara on Money. No clue how much time we have left, but there's the music. So that was perfect. Perfect. Um, Thank you so much for listening to McNamara on Money. Thank you again, Tim Williams from Flaherty Insurance. That was, um, of all the flood insurance shows that I've done, I feel like I have more clarity (laughs) now than ever. Well, that's good. It's just, it's just changed. It's just changed so much in the last decade. And um, like uh, people were, you know, know, in a total panic when these maps first changed and I feel like things have settled and premiums are a little bit more um, looks seems like they're a little bit more reasonable for the people in the floodplains but thank you for clarifying thank you for being here Tim and everyone have a great weekend have a good afternoon bye bye